listening. It's me, Victoria Stapleton, Director of School and Library Marketing at Little Brown Books for Young Readers. And oh, my friends in the virtual universe, I have an episode for you this day. For Brandy Colbert is our guest. She is the acclaimed author of Point. And as we say in the business, it was published by another house. But Brandy made the right life choice for her next book. And she came to us at Little Brown Books for Young Readers with her novel, Little and Lion. It is a story of love, loyalty, family, keeping faith, breaking faith, fitness and relevance, and hormones. I suppose all of those things that make a really excellent teen novel. This is, according to Booklist Starred Review, a superbly written novel. I would agree with that. Also, our friends at Publishers Weekly call it moving and well-realized. And Kirkus calls it a vibrantly depicted Los Angeles. Also in a starred review, which you know how hard those can be to get. Welcome, Brandy. Thank you very much for having me. Brandy, I'm a little obsessed with these characters. I freely admit this. Uh, Coming from a family of... um, We'll use the word rare and special people who had rare and special people relationships. I had uh, quite a few memories come to mind as I was reading the story of Suzette and Lion. Could you tell us a little bit about how these characters emerged into the world? Of course. Um, So the story started quite a while ago. Um, You know, you always sort of think about, like, when did the story actually begin? Um, So for me, I think it was about four years ago. And I just had this idea of, I would really like to write a brother and sister story. Um, I have myself four brothers. I have an older brother um, that I grew up with. And then I have three younger brothers from my dad's second marriage. And I'm not actually that close to any of them because there's such a large age difference between us all. So I kind of thought, what would it be like to actually have a sibling that, you know, you're in the same school with and maybe you share some friends with or you're just actually really close. So I started from that and then I always sort of move on to, well, how can I complicate this as much as possible? And so I wanted to throw sort of a problem into the mix. And then that is where um, Lionel's bipolar disorder came in. There is always a special magic in how each author begins with characters. I've had authors tell me that they heard a voice. I've had other authors tell me that there there was just a, a scene pop up in their mind and they had to explore how would that scene come up. Um, but you're describing um, a much more logical or considered process. Really, where does how would you describe the process of building line in particular? Right. Um, I knew that I sort of wanted, as much as I wanted the brother and sister to be close, I knew that I also wanted Lion to be maybe a little difficult in some people's eyes. And so with him, I don't know, there's so many differences between Lion and Suzette. You know, they're in a blended family, Mm -hmm. and Lion is white and Suzette is black. And so I knew that those differences would sort of inform their relationship. But Lion especially, he was very interesting for me to write because as difficult as I guess I had to make him at times and I don't mean difficult because of his mental illness like I think he's just sort of a difficult person anyway Mm -hmm. um 
but as difficult as he was to write, he was also someone that I was like, I would kind of like to be friends with that guy. And not just so I can steal all of the books on his amazing bookshelves. But I really wanted to make him complex and just sort of a guy that you're like, ah, sometimes you're just kind of being a real jerk, but like, I still love you. Um, I kind of wanted that to shine through the story. And not just from Suzette's perspective, but maybe for him to have a difficult relationship with other characters, his parents, and the readers overall. Because he can't just really be a plot device. He has to really stand on his own. I like what you're saying about he is not simply a reflection of Suzette's opinions or the perspective of other people around him. Because there's that extra challenge, did you try to do any sort of, hmm, I don't know how to say this in a way that's not really pejorative, so I apologize to everybody in advance, but did you try to do any sort of first-person work with him or channel him in some way? That's a good question. Well, I did, um, I mean, this isn't exactly answering your question, but I did have to do a lot of research mm -hmm. on bipolar disorder because even though he wasn't the main character, it's really important for me to get every character as right as I can. Um, and I think it helped that I, I didn't really read, like, clinical accounts. I read a lot of memoirs of people with bipolar disorder. And that was really fascinating because I personally don't know anyone with bipolar disorder and I wanted to be as realistic but also not offend anyone or, or bring stereotypes into it. And so I think reading it from, reading memoirs from the first person perspective was really helpful to see the language they used talking about their illness and all of their experiences being diagnosed and before they were diagnosed and then after. But I think also with Lionel, uh, it was really I learned a lot about him by the way, and I guess this, I could say this for all of my characters, but I learned a lot about him from the way he played off of um, the other characters in the story, and then particularly Suzette, the main character. Before we get to Suzette, I wonder, because I think this is a question that also comes up with Suzette, how do you think of character in relation to plot? Does the plot create the characters, or do the characters drive the plot? Does that question make sense? Oh, it makes absolute sense, and that's like one of the few <laughs> writing-related questions that I always have an answer to. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, the characters drive the plot 100%. And like you were saying before, how authors always have different answers about, you know, how they come up with their characters. It's different for me with every book. Sometimes it is just a voice. Um, sometimes it's a certain scene that pops in. But I would say that I am most comfortable writing character-driven novels. I always tell people that <laughs> my favorite types of books and movies are where people are drinking coffee and crying, where it's not necessarily about the plot, but it's just about how these people are handling just little kind of the minutiae of everyday lives. Um, I'm really fascinated in that. And so I think that always informs my characters and then that plays into the plot. But yeah, characters first always. Well, I guess I spend so much time thinking about this and in particularly in relation to Lionel before Suzette, because I think about this with Lionel and his relationship with Suzette and thinking about where the connection between character and plot comes in. I like that you had to think about Lionel as a fully realized person, even if that he isn't the primary character. You have to know about him, and his reactions and his motivations have to be organic to him, even if they are not depicted. And how did that come into building Suzette? And I really do hate the word building here, but I'm not sure I have a better verb. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of strange because they were sort of a package deal. I think, you know, or in earlier drafts, I sort of got away from the brother-sister aspect. And my wonderful editor, Alvina Ling, quickly pulled me back into it and said, this is a brother and sister story. You know, this is what you want to write. You need to concentrate on them. So I always had that at the back of my mind that it wanted, I wanted it to be more of a family story and particularly a sibling story. But I think for me, it was uh, sort of picturing their lives together and picturing I, I don't do a lot of character work where I actually write down you know like the character quest questionnaires I don't really do that unless mm -hmm. I'm asked to do it for someone to post but it's just picturing them maybe even in scenes that aren't on the page and then kind of drawing on that and then that helps me think about how they would react I guess in the situations that I actually am writing if that makes sense no, that makes total sense to me. I think one of the marks of a really good book is that as you're reading along in the plot, you as a reader feel the reverberations of scenes or reactions that are not on the page. Mm -hmm. They're just sort of echoes of them are in the page. A really good writer is able to bring those reverberations into the page without explicitly depicting them. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And that's my favorite type of stories too. And you are very successful at doing that, which is, I think, one of the reasons why I wanted to spend so much time on Lionel because much of him is off the page, even how Suzette reacts to him. You can feel the history of her feelings about him and her history with him as she interacts with him and competes with him, almost, mm -hmm. or... Uh, feels responsibility for him, almost maternal for him. Just sort of, it's not depicted, but it's there sort of in the shading that you give to some of her reactions. And do you actually see your characters physically? Oh. Do you imagine? I don't know that I want you to describe them, but do you do you visualize them in any way? I do, and it's funny. Um, with Suzette, I mean, I could, you know, I could describe her instantly to you, all of her physical, sort of discerning physical attributes. But I do with Lionel, I sort of, I see him, I don't really see his face, but I can see, like, it, this sounds so weird, I've never thought about it like this, but I can see, like, his body and, like, his, his beautiful bright red hair, mm -hmm. like, moving around in his world. But I never actually picture his face. I've never thought about that before. I asked because I kept thinking about posture for both of them. Just little, small, not movements, but just how they would... I kept thinking about how they would stand near each other or adjust themselves physically during these conversations and in these moments with each other. Uh, and that was powerful to me, imagining uh, them in front of me as they, as they worked through the story. Right, I love that. And I think, in part, I did this because you have a really great grasp of setting. I know you live in Southern California, but the setting of your book, Little and Lion, is really almost a character in and of itself. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm so glad to hear you say that. When And when you quoted the review that said it was a vibrantly depicted Los Angeles, I think I almost cried when I read that because, you know, I'm a transplant to L.A., um, but I've been here pretty much since 2002. I had a brief stint in Chicago that we don't talk about. Um, <laughs> it was winters. But I came back in 2011, and I just, I, I just love it here so much. And so my first book was set in Chicago. And so to be able to write a book 
that was not only set in my favorite city to live in, but on the particular side of, you know, LA is so spread out and to set it on the particular side of town where I live. And I just really appreciate, it just really like meant a lot. So yeah, I mean, I hope it's read as another character and I hope that the love for it shines through for everyone. Well, speaking as a person who is still carrying an Oregon driver's license nearly 30 years after she moved away permanently, I understand the connection to a particular place. And I wonder, as we move into talking about Suzette, does Suzette's attachment to Lionel in part come from his location in Los Angeles? Or is Los Angeles particularly meaningful to her because it's where her family and Lionel are? Hmm, that's a great question. I never thought about. I think it might be a little bit of both, you know, and being sent away, well, just being sent away, you know, mm-hmm. you didn't ask for it, um, and going to this place that is just so different in every way, I think, is a big deal for her. And so, yeah, I think for her, home is because they are such a tight knit family and, you know, they love each other a lot and really enjoy being around each other. I think that that home is where her family is and home is where her brother is. And I think it probably takes on a new significance when she leaves and comes back. There's all this history between them and also all these unspoken events and things that have happened that sent her away. And then while she was gone, I'm intrigued by Suzette as a character because the attraction to place or the attachment to place, but also as a, as a character who in her young life has to deal with so many deliberate choices of construction or destruction or deconstruction I should say because I don't want to sound super violent her family is blended her her mother and father these are different she's a child of a different relationship than the one her mother currently has or her father currently has Lionel is not her full sibling but then there's also the element of she is sent away so there are these choices that are made that disrupt her life so and she has to make choices about what is the opposite of disrupt Hmm. Hmm. okay so let's not get loaded down with that terminology but am i getting at something here about suzette has to make those choices to re-ravel her life in a way that i think is unusual in teen literature the specificity of it or the openness of it um do you mean in terms i guess of her identity yes i mean she has to come back she's sent away she has to come back after a disruption like that she has to reestablish a new relationship with her family that sort of thing i mean identity for me was the big one with this well intersectionality has been a big talk recently even though it's been around for a while a term coined by kimberly crenshaw I think for me, you know, I'm always probably going to write about black girls because I was a teenager in the 90s, and of course there was young adult fiction, and I was reading as much of it as I could, but there was was not a lot, really, if any, targeted toward me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, within, I'm just one person, and I'm only experiencing, you know, my life, and I'm experiencing my life as, you know, a straight uh, cisgender black woman, and I wanted to sort of experience, I guess, um, sort of other facets of how other black people deal with, you know, not only the marginalization of being black, but, you know, if if your sexuality is different or, you know, your mental health or anything like that. Um, So I think, yeah, when she moves back to L.A. sort of is when she's first confronted with, like, kind of like, who am I? 
like I was hiding a lot of who I actually am when I was away in this new situation, sent away against my will. And it's sort of like when she was sent away, she had to put on, you know, this new skin and just sort of be this uh, sort of, I mean, for lack of a better term, a robot, you know, and just Mm -hmm. fit in and blend in with all these people that she doesn't know instead of being her true self. And I think, you know, that's something you're really examining at that age. She's 16. She's going to be, it's the summer before her junior year. And I think that those are the sorts of questions you start to ask yourself anyway at that age, if Mm -hmm. not before, like, who am I? And what am I doing in this world? And what do people expect from me? But I think it's even more different when you've sort of been tossed into this situation that you didn't ask for and then feeling like you're forced to hide parts of yourself. I think that's a really interesting point as I'm always thinking about YA as the place where characters make their first decisions without a net, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, Families of origin versus families of choice. What our parents give us as faith versus what we decide to believe in ourselves. And I think it's particularly interesting in Suzette's case because there's that balance between choosing and acknowledging. Or, and I think that's the interesting part of how you've, see, I still don't want to say create or build. <laughs> because I think that is that aspect in Suzette of, yes, she's building herself, but she's allowing herself to emerge in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's sort of not a conscious decision. I'm trying to wonder about you as the writer, how much did you allow to emerge and how much did you deliberately build with her? When I think about writing, you know, I want to have all these really smart things to say about how I, you know, achieve the things that end up in the final work that people read. But really, I feel sort of possessed when I write. Mm -hmm. And it just takes over it's like these voices I don't know I was writing last night working on a new project and then I just sort of stop after you know I feel like I'm at a good stopping place and I'm like what where where did this come from who wrote this so it's really just sort of an unconscious thing in me when these things come out or you know a character will say something um that will jar me into realizing like oh like there's this whole other aspect of like this person I didn't know or this other you know it informs like this other character I didn't even know this until now Um, So, yeah, I just kind of, I don't really know. Uh, It just comes from within, I guess, which sounds really kind of hippy-dippy. That's all right. But it's an interesting counterbalance to what you are saying before about wanting to, and making a decision to explore different experiences of African-American womanhood or young womanhood. Right. So in that, I guess... I did have to push myself with this more because, again, I was writing outside of not only my comfort zone, but with what I I identify with Mm -hmm. um, in different aspects. And so I did have to push myself to sort of say, okay, you are going to make her, and I credit my agent with this because, you know, she reads everything I write, whether it moves on to an editor or not. And she had said, you know, you're kind of dancing around, like, this character who's questioning her sexuality, whether it's been, like, a supporting character or the main character and things that I've read recently, like, could you just maybe write this and see if it goes anywhere? <laughs> um, and so then that was little, you know, I just, I did have to push myself to write that aspect, was definitely uh, very conscious, uh, and it, it made me very nervous, and I'm still very nervous about it, because, you know, I only want to do... Um, all of the communities I represent justice, and I want to be as respectful as possible, but also I'm not trying to tell a, a moral story here. I'm trying to just tell a good story um, about 
characters that hopefully read as real people. As a reader, I think you did a really good job. The characters are organic and there's a wonderful naturalism to them, but I do really love this book. It, re it bears repeated reading in experiencing how this group of young characters, these young people, we'll say young people versus characters, really uh, negotiate the circumstances that they have and try to do it authentically from within themselves as possible. And I think that can be very difficult for a writer to portray whatever their skill level. And I think personally that you've done a fantastic job here uh, with this. And I'm just, I'm just very obsessed with how, because I'm not a writer myself, how really good writers tread that line. Thank you. I appreciate that. I have one question coming out of all of this discussion. Is there a point when any of these characters surprised you? Because you've gone through this process of letting them emerge, but then giving some shape to them, sending them off into particular directions only to reemerge again, this nice cycle of back and forth and in the, the different ways the characters develop. But did they surprise you in any way? That is a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound too generic. I think they, I'm trying to think of specific examples. You know, I think pretty much they always surprise me in what they do. I think, though, when I started to explore more of um, Lionel's, sort of his reactions or his um, his episodes of, of hypomania, mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to spoil. There's a, but there's a, a scene that's been described by people as sort of really intense that shows you know him in the middle of an episode, uh, kind of before he was diagnosed. It's a flashback scene, mm -hmm. and I think that one surprised me because in my head I have this whole you know um, picture of Lionel being you know again like sort of a difficult character in a way, but also like a loving brother and you know who really just ultimately wants the best for his family and just like wants to be able to like read books and like chill um and then you have this scene with him where he you know I, want, I don't want to say go off the rails because I don't really think you know that's not what it is but it, it's his hypomania kicking mm -hmm. in and and it's it's intense and it, it's a little bit I mean, to Suzette and her mom, it's scary because they haven't seen that before. And it's, you know, the first time he's reacted that way. And they're just kind of like, we literally don't know what to do. And, you know, his father, who's lived with him his whole life, like, is not there. And they have to make some decisions. And, you know, things are getting just really, really intense and amped up. Um, and there's like, I don't know, there's just um, a lot of emotion in that scene. And mm -hmm. so I think that surprised me when I wrote it, um, because I didn't really expect to go there or to go as far as I did. I like that in that that answer gives the sense that the character surprised you, but that perhaps also writing that, you got to the end of writing it and you were surprised by yourself as a writer. Mm -hmm. Did that moment surprise you as a writer, that you had that within you to do? Yeah, it did. I think that um, anything like that where I can really dig into the emotion and and have people read it and come back and say, wow, we really felt that, um, that always surprises me. You know, I'm really, really interested in people's emotions. And again, like, I think that's pretty much where I start most of the time with characters is just, you know, how they're reacting to things, like I said. But yeah, it, it always surprises me when I can actually kind of do this thing maybe that like I didn't set out to do but then once I was in the middle of it and I'm like well it's too far to I've gone too far now to stop 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I just got to keep going. I don't know if this is working. And then, you know, when people say, okay, you pulled it off, like this made us feel something that always feels really good. I think you can feel very good uh, about <laughs> this book. I will say that again, coming from a, a family of a number of rare and special people, and I'm sure my own sister uh, would call me a, a rare and special person right back. That sense of family and the issues within the family and the and the issues between the siblings, uh, it, it really does read very true. And I have to say, I brought back, as I said, a number of memories for me, which I think is the best part of a book is it helps you reach back into your own life and then reach forward into possibilities. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but have you at any point thought about what the future of those characters would be. Not that you would necessarily write that future, but could you at all project them forward? Yeah, I I think about it sometimes, but I never quite know, you know, because I'm not someone who writes continuing stories. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it's like the first question people always ask, like, is there going to be a sequel? I kind of, but I always leave my endings a little bit um, open-ended mm-hmm. and... I have thought about them sort of vaguely, but I don't know. This always sounds weird, maybe because I'm an adult, I think, this way. But I always sort of think, like, where would they be in, like, 10, 15 years? <laughs> like, what are Lionel and Suzette doing in their 30s is sort of where I go. Um, but when I finish a book, I always have that sort of immediate, like, yes, what are they doing in three months? You know? Mm-hmm. Where are they going to be? Are they okay? But in in my head, like, sort of my self-indulgent thing is, like, what are they like, yeah, at, at middle age? <laughs> like, what are they dealing with now? Well, having hit middle age myself, I could give you several examples of what could be happening. But let's leave that conversation from where for a time when we are not being recorded. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that, you know, it cannot be used against us. Uh, and we can meet... Uh, somewhere outside the strange office pod I'm currently locked in, and we can discuss that over a glass of wine, hopefully in Los Angeles. That yes, would be awesome. exactly. Uh, Brandy, thank you so much for being our guest today on the podcast. I really appreciate it. This was a really illuminating discussion for me. I, I'm really thankful we had the time to speak with each other. Thank you. I really appreciate being asked to uh, talk about my characters and the strange uh, process <laughs> that they're created through. <laughs> Listeners and friends in the virtual waves, this has been the Little Brown School and Library Podcast. Our guest today has been Brandy Colbert, author of Little and Lion, which is to be on your shelf, really make that right life choice and put it on your shelf as soon as is humanly possible from your bookstore or your library right now. And we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.